This episode of The How of Business is sponsored by Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. As a small business owner, you know firsthand the difficulties of managing everything from payroll and accounting to keeping your website updated. Ustas Small Business Solutions helps you with everything from starting your business, operating it efficiently, and seeing exponential growth. All of the products and services offered by Ustas are geared towards small businesses, and their pricing is too. For more information about how Ustas can help your business, please visit the show notes page for this episode. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez today. My guest is Josh Elledge. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Josh is a U.S. Navy veteran, a serial entrepreneur, a speaker. Uh, He's also got a podcast, and he launched UpMyInfluence.com to help turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, uh, increasing their authority, influence, and revenue. He also started SavingsAngel.com. We'll talk a little bit about that business as well. Uh, SavingsAngel.com, which has grossed more than $6 million in sales, with less than $500 in advertising. So you can kind of gather where we're going with this conversation today about using influence uh, through the media, online influence to generate revenues for our small businesses. Uh, Josh writes a syndicated newspaper column that reaches over 1.1 million readers. And he regularly appears on more than 75 TV stations across the country. All told, Josh has appeared in the media more than 2,000 times. Uh, Josh is known as one of the most foremost experts in online influence and authority. He lives in Orlando, Florida with his wife and three children. And so in today's episode, we're going to dive into this topic of building influence and authority for us as small business owners and entrepreneurs. And we'll also get a bit about uh, Josh's journey to where he is today, his entrepreneurial journey, his background. So we'll chat a bit about that as well. So once again, Josh Elledge, welcome to the show. Henry, I appreciate it. Thank you. So let me ask you this question to start with. What's your problem with daylight saving time? <laughs> I, I really think it's it's an antiquated uh, thing that, that we're still stuck on. Right. Um, it's it's really unnecessary, uh, and, and, and I'd say not only is daylight savings time unnecessary anymore, uh, but so is um, time. So are time zones. You know, we've just become just such a connected world that uh, I just don't think it's necessary. I think we could all survive on one time zone. I know that's a wild notion for some people <laughs> to wrap their brains around, but. Uh, well, the time not- zone thing, I, I had to have to stop and think about that one, but the daylight savings time. But what I like about daylight savings time is it gives me so much more time in the summer, uh, daylight time in the afternoon and evenings. But anyway. Sure. So just keep it all daylight savings. That's that's true. That's right. Exactly. I agree with that. It's just the going back and forth. I, I just, I know time is a construct, but you know, we could, <laughs> we could do this much simpler. I hear you. I hear you. All right. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> Interesting. Are you going to get me going? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm holding back, Henry, as you can, as you can. We're getting you warmed you up. Feel. 
All right. So tell me about the uh, your early days uh, before going into the Navy. Did you go to the Navy right out of high school or tell me about that, if you would? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, so very much have this personality where, uh, you know, if I'm going to create something, I, I can do it. Um, I, I uh, very much, you know, one of my favorite uh, books is uh, Ayn Rand's uh, Atlas Shrugged. Uh, and, and one of the biggest messages in that book is that, you know, you don't have to rely on anybody else to take care of you, bail you out, uh, give you a business, give you this or that. I mean, you can earn anything that you want um, and that that's quite actually a virtue. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I thought that, you know, what a win-win. Uh, I could go directly. I didn't have enough money for college. So what a great opportunity to do something good for our country, um, learn some great skills and, um and uh, then hopefully get my college, you know, put myself in a much better position to pay for college. And I did. Uh, so, yeah, I was a I was a Navy journalist. So I was in uh, Hawaii for three years. I was in Alaska for a year. And, and prior to that, I was in school for India in, in school in Indiana for a year. So not too many, not too many Navy folks in Indiana. <laughs> but <laughs> what, I was. what school in Indiana? Well, it was Fort Benjamin Harrison, would, and it was an army post, and they've since decommissioned it. Nice. Um, but it, it was cool because we went to it was journalism school. The way they do it in the armed forces, and they still do this, is and, and this is very unique, is that all of the branches of the armed forces go to one school. So uh, we got to go to school with the Marines and the Army and the Air, the Chair Force and uh, <laughs> um, even Coast Guard. Interesting. Very interesting. So th- this uh, perspective of I can get anything I want uh, and not waiting for somebody to give it to me, where, where did that come from? Um, well, I, I'd say that, you know, my dad was, you know, very, very hard worker, also a business owner. My grandma, uh, again, you know, very worked very hard, also a business owner. Uh, this is interesting doing um, some family history work. My great, great granddaddy, Amos Elledge hmm. uh, sold, he was a proprietor and he sold blocks of ice. Hmm. So it's just kind of in my blood. And, you know, it's interesting when I got out of college and started working in corporate America, it was just such a mismatch for me. I was miserable. I mean, even though I had a great job, I, I just felt like I just don't belong here. Tell me more about that. What, 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 what specifically, what do you remember being some of the things that that struck you that way specifically that made you feel like I don't belong there. Yeah. You know, it's like when I had a great idea, I didn't want to have to go through 10 layers of bureaucracy Mm -hmm. in order to implement it. I, you know, I'm very much a creator. And so, um, you know, in, in the, you know, Tony Robbins, I've gone to several of his events. Um, but you know, he'll talk about, um, where there's basically there's, three types of entrepreneurs. You have your kind of your true E entrepreneurs that love the the finances and the money and the investments and the ups and the downs. And it's just all about the money for them. And then you have your other uh, entrepreneurs that they're all about uh, operations and, and personnel management and uh, you know just leading people. And then finally, you've got your artist creators, and those are the ones that love solving a problem. They create something, and they just want to solve bigger and bigger problems for people. And uh, so they're they're really good at creating stuff. And so 
you know, a lot of the true litmus test for like, well, which of those three categories are you is to say, well, if I like my money, like was like, I'm set, like I've got all the money I could possibly ask for. And, um, I just, just need to be involved in the business doing something. What would you do if money was not an issue? And for me, I would probably stick with creating awesome products and services. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when you're working in corporate America and, um, you know, you, you have ideas for that and, uh, you're not free to do whatever you want. <laughs> That's another tough thing for me too. I, I kind of like to, you know, work, work when I want and, uh, do what I want to do. And it's, you know, as a business owner, you know, it's kind of funny as entrepreneurs, like we'll work 16 hours a day <laughs> so that we don't have to work eight hours a day for somebody else. <laughs> That's well said, no, no doubt. But that, that point of creativity is such a big one. I, I can relate to that one very specifically. You just feel in that environment, uh, like somebody else is putting limits on you. Somebody else is determining whether your idea is good or not. It's like, let me, let me go and take my idea and I'll, I'll take on the failure or success of it. I'm yeah. okay with, with whatever happens, but somebody else arbitrarily deciding the limits of what I can do is, is such a, that was such a hard thing for me. Yeah. I just couldn't get into the, uh, you know, uh, corporate policies and po you know, office politics and all this. I'm like, really, there's just, I, I, I just, I have more to, I feel like I, like, again, I'm only speaking for myself, but I, I just felt like I had more to live for. Uh, you know, I wanted to be the one to create stuff and assemble a team and, and, uh, you know, share the opportunity with other people. And, um, you know, that's, so as long as I, I, was just, I felt like when I was working a job, I was just kind of a cog in a wheel, which was yeah. eh, not, not my So thing. you did leave corporate America and had several business ventures, right? Yeah. Just summarize that for us. Yeah. It's, uh, so I left a perfectly good job and um, started a number of them. Um, and I'll tell you that the vast majority failed. Um, and a couple of them failed pretty spectacularly. Uh, I owned a small town newspaper and started a, uh, a blog for our town before there was really such thing as blogs. And um, the, the problem with that is that I was afraid of selling. And I just had this idea of what I thought selling was, and it was, you know, manipulating people into doing something that they wouldn't have done. And because of that, I just had so much fear over it. And that led to some pretty massive failure. Um, lost a house, uh, later on lost another house. Uh, I had to declare personal bankruptcy just because I didn't, we just didn't have enough money. Um, and um you know, it was, um, it was pretty rough. Um, but it's those experiences, you know, really gave me the tenacity, um, that it requires. So eventually, um, I settled in on an independent contractor position where I was doing sales and marketing for five years. And huh. that was really good for me because it forced me to get very, very, I won't say good at sales, but comfortable with sales. You hated sales, but you took a sales and so I explain did. that to me. It was that purposeful, I'm assuming? Or? It was, yeah, okay. because I knew that um I, I knew full well why I failed. And I thought, well, this is probably going to be very uncomfortable with me, but it's in an environment where I can really learn a lot in the process. And so, and I did, I learned a lot over the course of five years. Um, and, uh, because of all of that experience, eventually, uh, 
you know, again, I, I wanted to just kind of create something of my own from scratch. So it was, mm-hmm. it was good because it was real, I had a lot of freedom, but it wasn't my own business. Yeah. But yeah. so eventually we get to um, Savings Angel, which I launched over 11 years ago. And so Savings Angel, uh, it was a website, membership-based website. And the idea is that we can cut your grocery bill in half because we database everything that the grocery stores are doing. We know all their prices. We know all their sale prices. And then we have this database of all of these other discounts that you can apply toward your groceries. So if you can apply a $2 coupon to a $2 box of Cheerios, then you get free Cheerios this week. And so uh, that's so we would we would find uh, generally about five to ten items you could get for free every week. Um, usually over two hundred different items you could get for fifty percent off or better each week. And so it was a membership based website. Um, members would pay us twenty dollars. We've since sorry in case anyone's listening to this. Man, this sounds amazing. We've since shut <laughs> it. We've we've closed that portion of the business. Um, right, right. As, uh, as you know, over eleven years, I just kind of got a little burnt out on it and. And that, and there was, to be honest, there's a little bit of waning interest um, from consumers uh, in regards to coupons anyway. So, um, but that was an, an amazing experience. So when I launched Savings Angel, I had no money um, to invest in advertising. But I know that if you want a business to succeed, you you need exposure. You need people coming in the front door, people coming to the top of your funnel, um, you just you just need people hearing about what you do so that people will naturally sort themselves and some people will buy your product and some won't. Um, but if you don't have numbers, you don't have customers and you don't have data in which to experiment on so you can make a better product. So, uh, you know, not having any money, the only thing I thought I could do is reach out to local radio stations, local magazines, local newspapers, local TV stations, uh, local blogs. I mean, just really anyone I could who had an audience. And I just told him, I said, look, I don't um, I don't have any money. I'd love to advertise. Um, is there something we could do instead? Could I produce content? I, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. I wasn't. I was horrible. Um, but Thankfully, you know, I, I it kind of started with one local radio station who showed mercy on me and I went in and I did a, a two minute, two and a half, three minute segment. And, you know, at the time I couldn't even pay my heating bill. And when I did that segment, I got home, I checked the computer, I had made over two hundred dollars for three minute a three minute segment. Uh and that was actually recurring revenue. So we had actually made over eight hundred dollars. Uh, just for over a thousand dollars, just for a three minute segment. I'm like, man, I need to keep doing this <laughs> and um, paid for my heating bill. And uh, you know, that radio turned into syndicated radio. Um, I started writing a newspaper column that turned into a syndicated newspaper column because I kept on just doing the work and kept on serving audiences. I do syndicated TV and all told now, 11 years later, I've been in the media over two thousand times yeah, serving amazing. audiences. And as a result, Savings Angel's done well more than six million in revenue and we've spent less than five hundred dollars in advertising. And that and we'll get into it here deeper in a moment, but that's obviously what led led to where you focus now with up my influence, helping others do the same thing. Because you you've found it to be that this is something that maybe not to your level, but that other small business owners can follow your steps, your techniques to achieve some of the same results, right? 
Yeah. So, and it really was quite by accident. I just, you know, I just feel like, uh, and I think all of us as business owners, you know, we have an obligation to grow our business, but I believe we also have an obligation to find opportunities to provide pro bono service. Um, so through local startup communities, small business development center, um, veteran business owner groups, um, I, I really just look for ways that I can say, yes, you know, I, I have a business, but I, I do a lot of pro bono work um, just to kind of help that next generation of business owner. And I still, I still believe very strongly in this. Well, as a result of just helping with kind of some PR topics, you know, how did Josh, how did you get in the media 2000 times? Mm. Okay. Let me share with you how I did it. Uh, they started employing my advice and it started working. And some of these companies started getting funding. They developed budgets and they said, can we hire you? And I thought, well, sure. I guess I'm open to that. And so I started doing some consulting and realized, okay, I'm way too busy for that. So we started an agency and, and we've now created kind of a service-based platform that's really, it's it's really amazing because we're uh, providing a service to an audience that has really never been able to afford these kind of services and this level of expertise. And, um, you know, our our uh, one of our chief goals is to uh, completely upend the um, the whole PR industry, because we we believe that everybody has a miss has a message that can positively impact the world. And um, so we feel like we have an obligation to help turn these thoughtful entrepreneurs into media celebrities so that their voice can be heard so that they don't have to go through what I went through initially, but eventually had figured out with Savings Angel. I want to recreate that. And we've, we have a good track record. <laughs> um, it turns out that uh, when you're seen and when you're respected and when you get a lot of buzz and visibility, it's good for business. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just making a note there because I want to come back to a point, what you said there in a moment ago, but I want to go back to, before we move on a couple of points related to your experience and journey through all of those business failures early on, what, what was it that kept you going? What was it that didn't say to you, forget it. Business is not for me. Let me go back and get a corporate job and, and be happy ever after or not be happy ever after, but what kept you going? Uh, it's well, sheesh, I don't know. I, I think at the beginning is because that's, I had to pay my bills. Right. Uh, and I, maybe I felt like I, I didn't, my options were limited. Hmm. I, I have a degree in family science. And so uh, to rely on my degree is there's not a whole lot there. Mm -hmm. So really, the only thing I could get into, uh, perhaps, would be uh, sales. Okay. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's like I, I've I've got all these qualifications, but it's like, well, in the corporate world, what do I apply for and what do I get? Right. You know, it's kind of tough. So I just I felt like it was like uh, you know that scene from an officer and a gentleman where uh, he's it's like I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> like I have to make this work. Uh, and if I don't make it work, then I put my family through financial dire straits again. And, uh, you know, as a husband, as a dad, that sucks. It, it really, really does. It just it feels so demoralizing when you can't earn the money to pay the bills and you know you're forced to go live with your in-laws for half a year which again that happened as well um but you know so i listen i i share this because there's a person i'm sure there's someone listening right now and maybe that's where they're going that's where what they're going through right now just listen 
let me give you hope. If I can break out of it <laughs> and I'm no one special, you can do it. Uh, I just, I just had not, you know, bulldog tenacity to, to do what other people were not willing to do and to learn what other people were not willing to learn. So I, you know, in, in our age now where we've got all these amazing podcasts, um, you would be foolish not to obsess over listening to stories like this. Uh, and, and when all these stories are available for you, I'm sure your archives, uh, are, are available and people can go back and they could binge listen to a lot of great, amazing stories. Right, Henry? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great point. Great point. Yeah. And then, so I, I get that, you know, that, that, that fear that motivated you and you had no safety net. There was no option. The other thing that I took away from when you were talking about, and, and I'm sure, you know, some of it is looking back at it, uh, but it seemed like you had a self-awareness and you took responsibility and accountability for why you failed. You, you were able to identify that. And I think what I see that we, we can all have the tendency to do sometimes is blame others, blame circumstances, blame the economy, what have you. But it seems to me like you were very self-aware to say, you know, this, this area of not being afraid of sales killed me. Let me go get better at that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think honestly, people who blame others don't stay in business very long. They just, they yeah. just don't. I just think you don't belong um, in the entrepreneurial world. Um, yeah. If you want to keep on blaming the economy, if you want to look, I, you know, we we shuttered a business that was paying us um, over six figures a month. Um, it and just because the consumer interest in what we offered at Savings Angel was just no longer, it was there, it was just kind of drying up. So eventually we got to a point where we're like, I think, you know, we need to close this. Now, thankfully, we had other areas that we could make money, but, um, you know, I could get mad and say, well, you know, if it wasn't for those darn customers, you know, I could be making more money. How silly is that? You know, mm -hmm. we serve at the pleasure of the market. We serve at the pleasure of our customers. Our customers will let us know what they want based on where they put their dollars. And you can't, you know, you get mad. Look, I, I could, you could, there's, there's always going to be stuff that you could get mad about in business. And, you know, it's, I think you should take always appropriate action. You know, I've had issues with payment processors and developers and web hosts, and certainly employee issues have come up and, you know, but it's like, that's just the way that the game is designed. It's just like, ask God to not take away your problems, but ask him to make you so powerful, so strong that you can overcome any challenge. And when you become that person, look out, you're going to do, you're going to do all right, no matter what you do. Yeah, I agree. Well said. All right. So let's dive deeper into this, this concept of building influence and authority. Um, maybe we'll start with becoming a media celebrity. I, I'm a little skeptical that it applies to every kind of business, every kind of business owner. And so help me, help me understand what you mean by a media celebrity and how it might apply to me. Let's say I have a, an electrician business or a plumbing business or a mm -hmm. pizza store, like I've had in the past. 
help me start to understand what what you're saying here about becoming a media celebrity. Sure. So we all like to do business with people that we know, like, and trust. It's famous quote. Um, and But it's very, very real, and especially more so today than ever before. And I'll explain why. The average consumer, your customers, your clients are exposed, and this is according to the American Marketing Association, are exposed to up to 10,000 marketing messages a day. And so that's what you're competing against. And we're also in a new era. So it's not enough to just say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put up this web page and it's going to sell people on this service. And I'm going to hide behind my computer screen and that's how I'm going to grow my business. That may have worked eight, 10 years ago. It does not work today. Okay. You cannot buy your way to the top with advertising. I mean, you can make money with advertising, but you'll never earn authority from advertising. So, and the reason why is that people don't inherently trust ads. You know, if you make it entertaining, they can chuckle at it or whatever, or they, you know, you might be able to get away with teaching something in an ad, but generally you're not going to build up no like any no like and trust. And I've I've really talked to a lot of smart minds in this. Advertising gives you high control over messaging, but very low trust. Now, when you go and you serve an audience, and let's say you're speaking on a stage or you're on TV or you do a YouTube video with a YouTube influencer and they introduce you to uh, a million of their viewers, um, there's no reason for that audience to mistrust you based on the platform because they know that you're you're not really paying to to have that stage, um, so they can relax and they can just say, "Okay, I'm here to be informed, entertained, educated, whatever it might be." Right, and so we trust. Uh, you know, PR is you have lower control over the messaging because it would be inappropriate uh, if I, I just did a, a speaking engagement with uh, Tony Robbins organization. Obviously, I can't go into a big pitch fest there. That would be inappropriate. That would be very uncomfortable. The audience would wholly reject that. Mm -hmm. And so my job there is just to make sure that I serve that audience. I bring the most amount of value possible. And so because of that, audiences are going to really like you. And so if you can do a lot of that, then, and you keep on, you start small and you work your way up and eventually you're going to get invited to do bigger and bigger and bigger things. And when you start doing those really big things, um, you really start to boost your authority, uh, your indicators of authority. So, so here's the deal. Um, people will ask me uh, commonly like this. So Josh, you talk about authority where, you know, what is the fastest path? Like, where does authority come from? And some people have this mistaken notion that authority comes from making money. There's a correlation. Generally, people who make money have high authority, but it's not causation. So authority comes from two places today. It comes from social proof. Is everybody else buying your product? Do you have a big social media following? Do you seem to have a throng of people following you wherever you go? <laughs> right? That we want to do what we feel like other people are doing. We take cues from the crowd. And then the other thing is, so number one is social proof. Number two are your associations. And so who are you seen associating with? Who is saying nice things about you? Uh, you know, are you appearing as a guest on other podcasts? Are you, um, you know, being invited to speak at conferences? 
Uh, are you, you know, just who, you know, if, 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 you know, basically the idea is like, oh my gosh, well, if, uh, you know, if Henry Lopez is saying nice things about Josh, he must be okay. Right. And so that's instant, um, instant authority um, by association. So those are, those are the two really, really important things. Now, if you have a lot of authority, imagine this for a second. Imagine if I waved my magic wand and, and I'm, I actually have one right here because <laughs> uh, I got <laughs> and uh, because you I live said, in Orlando. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course. You can't live in Orlando and not have a magic wand. Um, they're, they're way too prevalent. That's right. Um, but imagine that now you, uh, for the rest of the day and for the rest of your business career, you now have 10 times the authority in your space, in your industry than you did previously. What, what would you imagine would happen in your life? How do you think people would treat you? How do you think your family would respond to you because of all the good stuff that happens? When you go to conferences, are you going as an attendee or are you invited to speak? Uh, are you getting invitations for joint venture partnership opportunities? Are you, um, you know, how do people think of clients, you know, when you're working with potential clients, are they ghosting you or are they uh, responding to all your emails? Look, email's an easy one. We respond to people who we respect. And if we don't respect them, we don't respond to them. Right. We just ghost them. Yep. And it's frustrating if you've ever sent emails and like, why is this person not responding to me? They're not responding to you because either there's something really wrong with what you're saying or they don't respect you yet enough. They don't, they just don't have enough trust built up in you. So they're not, they're not going to respond. If they at least respect who you are, you know, if Tony Robbins or whoever it is who's big in your industry sends you a message and they're like, yeah, no, this is really Tony Robbins. Uh, love to chat. You know, you're going to be like, um, yes. Okay. Uh, you're going to, you're going to immediately respond to that email. But if it's a spammer who's like, Hey, would love to produce a, a, a blog article for your blog. And, uh, you know, all I need is a couple links back to my website. You're going to be like, get the, you know, get out of here. Right. We don't want to have any we don't have anything to do with that person because we don't respect them. And, and, you know, clearly they're reaching out because they want some. All right. So uh, I'm starting to follow here. You mentioned, as you were explaining about beginning to build authority to start small. Can you give me some specific examples that I can start relating to different types of businesses that w is what you mean by starting small? Yeah. So uh, if, what you want to do is you want to look around at who is in your industry, in your space that is already serving audiences. So bloggers, podcasters, someone who has a little bit of a social media audience, I wouldn't say big, but what I want you to do is don't reach out to them and definitely, I mean, don't reach out to them and start selling your thing. Don't reach out to them and say, oh my gosh, you know, if they could talk about my product or service, I'm going to sell like a gazillion of them. Like that's the wrong attitude. Your job should be to bring value to audiences. If you can, if you can, if you enjoy serving people, then PR, growth, authority, influence is going to come very easy to you. It's not going to happen overnight. But it will come very easy to you. And it, it, you know what? If it takes you two, three years, if in three years from now, you're a rock star in your industry, would that be a cool three-year plan? And the way to get there is you just, you just, you serve audiences wherever and whenever you can. 
um, start small. And then when you have some successes under your belt, you can start looking at bigger and bigger influencers. And I'm not, not talking about paid influencer marketing. Generally, I'd be very, very cautious about that. But can you go and say, what is the highest value I can bring this other person? And then you do that over and over and over and over again. And you, every single day, you're looking for more people that you can bring value to. And you do pro bono stuff. I mean, you're just, it's all about making your mark. And when you have enough people that know you, like you, and trust you, that's game, set, match. You're good. You know, eventually, if you want to go the traditional media route, um, you know, I could talk a lot about the specifics on how to do that. Uh, But that's, you know, really, you just get to know journalists, producers, um, writers, and I like to use Twitter. I'm a bit, you know, even if you don't like Twitter, that's okay. You don't have to like it, but just use it as a tool. It's a great tool to connect with anyone you want. Get to know what people are doing by putting those uh, Twitter handles into a Twitter list, and then you engage with them. And then eventually, you're going to make an offer to be helpful when you feel like you're ready for it. And that's the formula. And I think that, you know, if you're a decent communicator, then I don't think you're about, I don't think you're six weeks away uh, from reaching out to any, you know, medium size or lower media in your industry or in your market and offering to be nice, uh, offering to help them out with something. If you're a small business owner and need help in any aspect of your business, Usta's Small Business Solutions can help. And to get you started, Ustas is offering the How of Business podcast listeners an exclusive one-hour complimentary session with one of their professional virtual assistants. Ustas has a team of over 60 virtual assistants, each with a university degree and English as their first language, who are located in the U.S. Ustas virtual assistants are qualified in various areas, so they will match you with the perfect assistant based on your needs. They offer literally hundreds of services, including data entry, copywriting, branding, market research, graphic design, and lots more. Think of all the time you could free up by delegating tasks to a trusted professional virtual assistant from Ustas. To take advantage of this free hour with a virtual assistant, visit Ustas today at ustas.com forward slash podcast. That's double O-S-T-A-S, Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. If we go back to you, you had shared that one of your first um, examples of this was when you were promoting your, up, uh, excuse me, Savings Angel business, I believe you got on the radio show. Did, did I follow that correctly? Mm-hmm. So what, what did you talk about or share there as an example of, of what would have been an early example of using this to build authority? What, what did you talk about or were you teaching people on how to use coupons to save? Tell me about what you did there in that three minutes, I think it was. I'm so glad you asked that. So here's here's exactly what I did. Uh, is I came up with a segment, and again, you have to come up with something where the journalist or producer is going to be like, "Oh, that would be good." Like we would, like our audience would really, really like that, and it's just so you know, it's like people aren't going to be on guard. So what I did is I came up with a segment. I said I'm going to show them how they can get the three best deals every week. 
And almost every week, I'm going to share, share exactly how you can get something for free. And so what we would do is that we would, I would say, look, I'm going to give you the content ahead of time, like the links so you can print the coupons, that sort of thing. Um, and I would say, you can even, you could put this on your own website. We don't even have to promote Savings Angel, but we're going to promote the station's website, which you're always trying to get people to go to that website anyway. And so that's why it was such a, a, a no brainer for them, because I'd come in do free content, drive people to their website. Now, of course, when they go to their website, there would be a link to my website, Savings Angel. So the audience would would get to me through them. Um, and and so I would link to a coupon that they could print out. Uh, they would bring that $1.50 coupon into their local grocery store, Target, Walmart, Meyer, you know, Walgreens, CVS, whatever. And they could go and get their shampoo for 50 cents a bottle or something. And so that's exactly how I would explain it uh, on air. And I would explain a little bit of the math, like just how it works real quick. But I would explain, guys, this is so easy to do this. And don't worry, just listen, because every single week, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Now, if you, of course, if you want everything, this is just the three best deals. If you want all 200 deals, we've, we've calculated over 200 deals that you can get for 50% off or better. So if you like this, then you can come get more at Savings Angel. And that's completely up to you. But go get the free stuff. And yeah, that's uh, so they loved the pitch. They loved the idea. In certain cases, we would actually do a rev share with the media partner as well. And um, so that that was you talk about a win, 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 win. Everybody's winning in that in that case. Now, but Josh, what do you say to me though? As the very typical business owner says, "Oh my gosh, I I I don't have any confidence in my presentation skills. I'm not a salesperson. I hate the sound of my voice." Yeah. There, there's no way I'm going to do that. What do you say to me? Of course, you're terrible. That's just get over it. That's and there's only one way to get better is that you have to practice. You just you just have to do the thing over and over and over again. Here, you want if you want to feel really good about yourself, go listen to like Tim Ferriss's first few podcasts or Pat Flynn's first few podcasts. If you're a podcast avid podcast listener. They're not real great. Uh, and you can go and listen to my first few podcasts, the Savings Angel show. Uh, I could tell you right now, like, I sound terrible. <laughs> and that's okay. Oh, like, yeah. you know, you want to, you know, hopefully you're working with someone who can kind of help you. You know, we do a lot of work with uh, our clients on that so that they don't completely embarrass themselves. Um, but that's kind of the idea is that, you know, you just, you're just going to have to do it anyway. Henry, I'm sure like as when you started podcasting, it's taken you a little while to gain your voice and, and feel really comfortable that you can kind of flip on the mic and you're like, you know what, I'm going to do great. Uh, you know, I'm, I've interviewed a lot of people by now. I, you know, I, I'm just feel comfortable in that environment. You know, I've been in situations where um, I've been at a TV station, something's come up and they're like, can we do a quick segment with you about this? And I'm like, yeah, give me like three minutes to read the article. And then they, it, three minutes and then bam, I can get on and I can instantly talk about, I mean, that has taken years and years and years to be able to get to that level of comfort where I can do a TV segment extemporaneously, you know, or just like, you know, I'm completely improving the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people struggle with this idea of this imposter syndrome thing. And 
look, I'm going to absolve you of your imposter syndrome. Okay. First off, everybody's an imposter at the beginning. If we all, everybody feels it at like, you know, all the top, all the top people, you know, they all felt like an imposter at the beginning. So that's just normal. That's good because that, that you feel that because you care very deeply. You're not a phony about this. You really care deeply about making sure that you bring value. That's a good sign. But honestly, you know, becoming a subject matter expert, becoming a thought leader, that is designated for people who enjoy teaching. If you like bringing value to other people and you love teaching other people, then being a thought leader, being a subject matter expert, that is for you. That's 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 who we assigned to that. You don't need, uh, it's kind of funny. It's like when I started Savings Angel, the day that I became a consumer advocate, it's kind of funny, was the day that somebody said, so Josh, are you a consumer advocate? And I kind of looked to the left. I looked to the right. And I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am a consumer advocate. <laughs> so I was like thinking, wait a minute. What's the qualifications for a consumer advocate? Just someone who advocates for consumers. Okay, that's me. And, uh, you know, it's like public relations is kind of the same thing. You know, I, I'd been in the media over 2000 times, but even I, I felt like, I was going to be, you know, some like public relations organization was going to contact me and say, wait a minute, you're practicing public relations without a license, you know, pull over. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not going to happen. Like you can do today, you can be a thought leader on pretty much anything. Like, and, and you might say, well, you can't, Josh, you can't be a thought leader in brain surgery. Oh yes, you can. Here's how you do it. You interview brain surgeons and you talk about, you know, things that are going on in the industry You say, look, I'm not a brain surgeon myself. I'm just a total geek on this stuff. And I love talking to and talking about, you know, all this great stuff that's happening in brain surgery. And all of a sudden, guess what? You can become a thought leader in that space just because it's like you, you, you do the Napoleon Hill thing. Napoleon Hill wasn't a successful businessman. He was a writer. He was a, you know, he, he interviewed people and that's where, you know, he gained his uh, notoriety. He, he produced great content for the people who were really interested in the subject. So it's, it's, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be in business for yourself because there's so much opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Josh, I want to go back to, um, uh, social media and specifically you mentioned Twitter and it, could you just walk us through briefly your approach and how you're using a social media platform like Twitter to build influence? You, you touched on it briefly, but walk me through it. it it's certainly not me tweeting out my, my latest product or, you know, come by or here's the latest sale. But so tell me about how you engage and build authority through a platform like Twitter. Okay, well, so uh, let me let me start by talking. So you, to, to build authority on Twitter, it's just like, and it's like any social, so I speak at a lot of social media conferences. So here's the deal on social media. Any social media is Josh's rules for social media. You get in the beginning, you get to pick two, right? You get to pick two. Now you should, that, now you should have a presence, particularly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is mandatory. You have to have a full and complete profile. You don't have to be, you know, sharing and liking and commenting and all that stuff on LinkedIn, but that's mandatory. Like you have to have your profile. Now, aside from that, you need to have minimum one, um, but maybe two social media platforms that you are very heavily involved in, like you're really into it and you only get to pick two. 
And so let's say it's right now, I would say live streaming is probably a really smart thing to do. So you could do live streaming on uh, Instagram or Facebook sent tend to do pretty well right now. And, um, but here's the thing, the, the secret to success in social media and building an authority in social media is that you have to be persistent. You have to stick with it. So if you're going to do live streaming on Facebook, then I need you to make sure that you've committed to doing, let's say, three live streams a week for 90 days. And only at the end of 90 days do you get to make a decision as to whether or not that was really that's really what you should be doing. Um, because like I've got I've got clients that are YouTubers that are making, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month in um Utah YouTube advertising revenue. And when they started, they were terrible. You know, I go back, it's kind of funny. I'd, I'd go back and watch their first few YouTube videos and they're terrible. And, but they just kept on doing it three videos a week over and over and over and over and over again for three years later, they're now making 40, $50,000 a month. So it, it can happen for any one of us. Let me ask you a question now, there On the, yeah. for after 90 days, what, what are, give me some of the things I'm looking for to measure to say this was successful or not. What am, what am I looking do, for? Well, do you have so do you have an audience okay. that's starting to follow you on a regular basis? Okay. Yeah. Are you are you showing engagement? Um, you know, so you should always be following best practices and encouraging, you know, the you know, the likes, the comments, the shares, all that sort of thing. So make sure that you're following really smart people that can teach you best practices and how to succeed in social media. Um, you know, I could tell you for Twitter, Twitter's very, very easy, in my opinion. I, I just think it's a it's a very easy social media platform. You use you use hashtags, you tweet good stuff, you engage with people, you make other people look good, you stay positive, don't be creepy. Uh, and and that's really it. And um, you know, I've got 50, I think about 54, 55,000 followers on Twitter right now. And um, it's just from that. You know, it's, that's that's all I do is just try to share good stuff. And and uh, I, you know, Twitter's nice because you can automate a lot of Twitter in the from the standpoint of you can put stuff into a queue and it will share out. And Twitter's not necessarily going to Facebook will penalize you for that. Um, Twitter doesn't necessarily penalize, I don't believe, um, for using like a third party tool like Buffer, Social Oom for whatever you use to get your content out there. So that's nice. And then one thing that's nice about Twitter is there's generally not any, you don't get penalized for repeating content as long as you wait at least three, four days. So you can build up a library of evergreen content. Let's say it's inspirational quotes or something like that, um, that you design visual content around. And then you tweet that out once a week. That's perfectly fine. And all of a sudden now you've got, you know, maybe, you know, 80, a hundred different tweets that are in your evergreen file that just keep going out over time. And then you do your, you supplement that with your live stuff. So, um, and the one thing I really like about Twitter is that if you want to work with the media, then they're all on Twitter. So I've got a five-step process, really, really simple, um, to build relationships with influencers and media on Twitter. Number one is you identify. And so you just search for content in your industry or your region, and you identify well, who are the who's producing content. And then you put them um, number two, now, by the way, that would be a good job. What I just said, you know, about identifying, you give that to a VA. 
Just say, I want you to spend four hours and I want you to go through and I want you to put together a list of Twitter handles of writers who are in my industry. And then they put that in a Twitter list. And that's step number two, uh, because otherwise it's going to be impossible to keep up to date. If you have, let's say you're following like 500 or a thousand people, it's going to be almost impossible to really keep tabs on what these journalists are doing. And I want you to keep tabs on what they're doing. So again, so you could have two Twitter lists, maybe an industry media list, an influencer list, um, and then maybe a local media list. And then step three is you just start engaging with them. So you like, comment, share. You just try to make them look good. Try to con you know contribute positively to the conversation. Just organically, authentically work on building a relationship. Like you really want to get to know them. Just don't be creepy. That's that's the only, you know, that's define, like the number one rule. Define there. creepy for me though. I think I know what you mean. Uh, you know, don't want to be a stalker. Like too, don't, you don't want to do too okay, much. Don't overdo right? it. Because yeah. I've been in newsrooms and um, like they're, they'll be checking their Twitter um, and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's like comments on every yeah, single thing. <laughs> and it's just, it's too much, too you know, it's like, it's like dating, right? You know, think of the last romantic, uh, relationship that, that you were in or, you know, kind of when you were in that courting process and what did you do? You know, if it worked out well, then you probably did the right stuff. So that's kind of, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the, you just got to kind of follow your gut on that and just not come on too strong, but you want to be visible and you want to, again, make them look good. And they'll appreciate it. If you're, you know, you can always default to being kind, right? You can always, always default to being kind and that's always going to work. Um, number four is you, is, is after you get on their radar is you would offer to help with a story, but you don't pitch your products or services. You just want to act like a bird dog who's out there looking to help them. Like, Hey, this is going on in my industry right now. Um, you know, let me, I'd love to throw together some notes if you want to, uh, um, work this into a broadcast or work this into a story, love to give you some bullet points or love to write out some quotes. Um, and then you just give it to them. Um, don't wait for their permission. Um, and then you just start feeding them story ideas and they might not take the first one, but eventually as long as they uh, otherwise have no reason to dislike you, they're, you know, they're probably going to take you up on one of those things. But here's the thing. You can't ask for stuff in return. Just allow them to give it to you. A professional is always going to reciprocate, but you can't ask for, hey, why don't you promote my thing? Like, don't ever, ever, ever do that. Just be authentic. Serve them. Make their job easy. And it's going to work out okay. Okay. So I want to go back to number one because who we're identifying are journalists, uh, writers. Yeah. Uh, people who are covering the industry or writing about the particular industry or niche that I'm in, right? Yeah, or it could even be social media influencers or bloggers. They could also fit in that list. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Love that. That's very, very applicable. Okay. So immediately as we were going through that and just this topic in general of building influence and authority, using social media, speaking, whatever. I immediately what comes to mind as a business owner is, all right, how much, how much time do I dedicate to this relative to running my business and everything else I got to do? So how do you help people with that? And what do you recommend as far as the balance of this stuff versus running the business? Hmm. Well, so our number one job as business owners is to grow our business. And so what that means is that you need to shift from becoming a business operator and you need to become a business owner. And so you need to do a lot of delegation. 
You need to focus. The business owner's job is to, uh, and, and here's the two things that, that I say. If, if I say, what are the two most important activities that you could be doing as a business owner? You should be the chief evangelist for your company. If you're just sucked into operations, okay, you that's that is where businesses stagnate. You need a leader, you need someone with vision, and you need someone who's out there evangelizing for the business. So you should be serving audiences and networking with influencers. Those are the two most important things I think that today's growth-focused business owner should be doing. Everything else, you need to delegate that. So maybe that means hiring people and having them internally. Maybe that means, you know, working with an expert like us or an agency who can help take some of this work off your plate, but you can't stop uh, your outreach work. That has to be done. Uh, Again, if you do this stuff manually, it's going to take you a little bit of time. It it really will. I'm not going to lie. Is it worth it? Yeah. In ways you wouldn't believe. So if you want to speed up the process, like, you know, I talked about, you know, becoming a a true authority in your field and maybe it takes you three years. That's a good three-year plan. But you don't, if you don't have that patience and you have budget, then invest in that and invest in your social media presence, invest in um, your, um, your logos, your media logos that you now get to have on your website. Um, these are all really smart investments if you know how to use this stuff well. Um, and so it's, you know, you're, you're building authority and influence. And when you have authority and influence, then life just gets a lot easier. You get invitations, you get respect. People say yes more often, your close rate, your conversion rate, everything improves in business. So it should be our number one objective. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, we could go on forever, but we can't. So summarize for me. We've touched on it, but summarize for me the the services and programs that you currently offering your clients. So we start off really the, the the easiest way to engage with us is to you know just we we do a lot of pro bono education. We do a lot of pro bono things for for good thoughtful entrepreneurs. Um, my rec- my highest recommendation would be to sit in on a webinar. I do a 90-minute webinar, and it is going to completely rock your entire future as a business owner. You will never think the same way again. And 85% of the success of your business comes down to the psychology of the business owner. And when I explain in very specific detail on exactly what you should be focused on in, in your business, uh, it's going to rock your world. So it's um, I'll be doing a webinar soon. Um, so if you go to upmyinfluence.com and then just click on webinar, you can register for that. It's free. I'm not gonna, it's not gonna be a weird, uncomfortable sales pitch. I'll tell you exactly. At the end, I'm just gonna say, well, you know, if it makes sense for us to talk, then here's my schedule and you know, talk with someone on my team. And we'd love to see if it makes sense for us to promote you in some way. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, we respect the relationship with our clients as well. We don't, we don't oversell. We don't, we just, we bring value first. And then we allow people to raise their hand and say, I want more Josh. <laughs> and then, you know, if they want to get, we can, you know, we have done some pretty amazing, we've gotten clients on reality TV shows. We've gotten clients uh, partnering with YouTubers with, uh, you know, a million and a half subscribers. We have done some pretty, pretty powerful stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we are just honored that we get to do that. Fantastic. All right. Uh, book recommendation. You mentioned Atlas Shrugged. Is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend? 
You know, the, the, the big ones, obviously, are going to be Think and Grow Rich, which I also mentioned. Um, Alice Shrugged. If you look, if you have not read those two, you have I have just I have just done you a major, major, major favor. OK, Alice Shrugged is over a thousand pages long. It's a story. It's a novel. Right. But um, what you get from that book, that journey is going to be something that will stay with you forever in terms of you know, what it takes to be uh, a leader and what it takes to be a business owner who, you know, doggone it, you know, come heck or high water, uh, I am going to absolutely do whatever it takes to build a successful business. That's what you will get from that book. Thanks for those recommendations. We'll have linked to those books as well as all of the other resources Josh has mentioned on the show notes page for this episode at the how of Josh, what, what's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation specifically on the subject of building influence and authority? Yeah. And, and, and it really would be my big domino in, and if I can, and hopefully by now you believed me, but you know, there's a lot of things as business owners, a lot of shiny objects out there, but I'm telling you right now that the faster you can grow your authority. Life is just fun when you go to conferences and everybody wants to take their picture with you. Like I'm, I'm not a huge influencer at all. Um, but you know, it's, I've been on both sides of that. I've been a nobody at conferences and I know what that feels like. And then I've gone to conferences where I've been, you know, they've put a lot of promotion behind, um, my speaking, um, at that conference and, 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 and it just feels really good. And it, it makes it a lot easier when everybody's coming to you to want to do business as opposed to you have to constantly be, uh, you know, seeking other people out. So if you can build that reputation for yourself um, and you can build that respect for yourself, uh, I just want you to feel what that feels like and whatever I can do to help you earn that. I'm all about it. So uh, let's absolutely connect. So to that end, where would you like us to go online to find out more? Oh, um, just upmyinfluence.com. And there's a lot of free resources there. Free, I mean, just, you know, really just dive into this stuff and, and uh, watch how your life changes and watch how your employees treat you and, you know, how family and your Facebook friends, you know, they, they're going to really dig seeing you rise um, as you get quoted more and more places. It's, it's a fun journey. So, but yeah, click on the webinar link. That's a really, really great place to start. Perfect. Yeah, that webinar, I think, is a, a must attend. I'm going to sign up for it myself. Josh, this has been a great conversation. Interesting points and takeaways. Love the specific tactics and just in general, thanks for sharing and being with us today. Henry, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Josh Elledge. We release new episodes Monday mornings and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you to Ustas for sponsoring this episode of The How of Business. Ustas is the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.